Let's let's turn in our Bibles to Titus uh, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 9 through 11. Titus 3 verses 9 through 11. You can find it on uh, page 1859. 1859. Titus 3 verses 9 through 11. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Thus ends our reading of God's inerrant word. May all who hear it remain in the truth, blameless and pure. In our first scripture reading that Randy read today, we heard some conflicting words. Look again at Proverbs 26 verses 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. So which is it? Should you answer a fool according to his folly or not? Now Proverbs is a, is a wisdom book, and often wisdom books will tell you how things are rather than what you should do. In the case of these two verses, it may be that God is communicating to us that, that either way, you can't win when it comes to a fool. Nevertheless, as a church, we are often called to deal with foolish people, as well as their foolish nonsense. And in our passage for today, Paul gave to Titus instruction on how to handle the foolishness of the circumcision group. If you recall, we, we dealt a bit with this group when we were studying Titus chapter 1. In verse 11, Paul commanded Titus with, with these words. They must be silenced because they are ruining whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. Today, today we will see how these men were to be silenced. And this was a three-step process. If one were to break down verses 9 through 11, it would go as follows. In verse 9, we see Paul's instruction to avoid foolish discussions. Titus was, was to not answer a fool according to his folly. And then in verse 10, we see, that, we see then that Paul instructed Titus to, to warn the divisive person if they're behavior persisted. In other words, he was, he was to answer a fool according to his folly. And then, and then finally, in verse 11, we see that, that judgment comes upon such a warped man. He is self-condemned. Let's look at our text a little closer and see what we can learn. Titus 3, verse 9. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable 
and useless. Here we get a, a better idea of, of what this circumcision group was really teaching. First, foolish controversies and genealogies. Paul had hinted at this earlier in his letter when, when he told Titus to pay no attention to Jewish myths. What were these Jewish myths? They were folk tales spurred on from the names found in the, in the different lists of genealogies that, that run throughout the Old Testament. They were stories concerning characters who, who may have been mentioned only once or maybe twice in the Bible. You see, what these false teachers would do is, is take one name, say from the sons of Noah, and then create a whole history concerning that person. Such tales were then used to promote their own theology, which often led to arguments and quarrels concerning the law. What this all boiled down to was that these men were, were going outside of Scripture to form their own teaching, to form their own theology. They preferred mythology over sound doctrine. This is the, the same trap that the, the Pharisees got, got sucked into. Now, they, were, they weren't caught up in genealogies, mind you. Rather, they had their own myth called the tradition of the elders. These were oral sayings that they, that they claimed had come down from Moses concerning how to follow God's law properly. Jesus had warned these religious teachers that they had nullified the word of God for the sake of their own traditions. You see, what the Pharisees had done was elevate their own customs above God's word. And now, Titus was dealing with a similar problem with this circumcision group. These men were teaching from Jewish myths instead of scripture. We see the same thing today, do we not? Anytime a pastor, anytime pastor leaves the Bible to teach other things, it could be politics, it could be the, the latest headlines in Israel, it's that, that pastor who, who spends most of his sermon talking about his own life, or the one who, who focuses his attention on the prophetic dreams and, and visions that he claims to have received from God. These are the, the teachers that you need to watch out for. For they will sound wise, and they will sound biblical, yet in reality they have left God's word behind and have gone after other things. Their teachings bring about arguments and quarrels. They are unprofitable and useless. And Titus was to avoid such foolish topics and devote himself to that which is profitable to all men. He was to teach what was in accord with sound doctrine, namely the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was the first way he could silence these rebellious people. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him yourself. Of course, there still may be some who will not be quiet. 
even if their tall tales are avoided. So in verse 10, we read this. Warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. The first thing we see from this verse is that such a person is divisive. Those who insist on their false teachings cause division. It's, it's, it's a misnomer when people say that doctrine divides. I mean, think about it. Every Sunday, millions gather together because of what they believe. They hold to the, the same confession. They are in agreement in their theology that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for their sins, and that he rose from the dead on the third day. It is not doctrine that causes division. No. It is bad doctrine that causes division. In the church today, you, you, you hear many voices coming at you from many different directions. And some of these voices are sound, and some are not. Those that are not cause disunity. They, they disrupt the, the harmony that comes from sound doctrine. That's why Paul commanded Titus to warn the divisive person. Look at Romans 16, verses 17 and 18. I urge you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. True unity can only come about when people are like-minded. You see, those of the circumcision group were not true Christians. They did not believe in salvation by grace alone. And that is why Paul instructed Titus to have nothing to do with them if they refused to repent. For they were not truly in the faith. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not, be, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now Christians often use this verse to talk about whom they should marry. Yet the context of this passage is in the church. The church should not partner themselves with those who don't believe even if they call themselves Christians. Titus, he was to warn a false teacher two times. And if he didn't repent, then the church on Crete should have nothing to do with him. They should treat him as an unbeliever. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. For the protection of the sheep, and out of concern for the false teacher, Titus was to silence such a man by warning him. Warn him how? By letting the man know that he is treading on dangerous ground. Not only was such a man deceiving the people of God, but he himself was being deceived. 
for the sake of this man's salvation, Titus was to plead with him to believe the true gospel. Of course, Titus was to be patient, following the model that Jesus had set forth in Matthew 18, allowing the man time to repent before casting him out. The, the act of church discipline should never be done out of hatred or spite. No. Church discipline is an act of love. And the goal is always repentance and a return to the faith. And yet, if there is a refusal to repent, then Titus was to have nothing to do with the man. Basically, Paul was commanding Titus to excommunicate such men. The privileges that come with membership in the church should be removed from them. Now you might be saying to yourself, that doesn't seem very loving. How are we to win them back if we remove them? Yet this is exactly what Jesus commanded his disciples to do. Look at, look at Matthew 18. Verses 17 through, 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Was Jesus being unloving? No. In fact, this is the loving thing to do. What is unloving is to continue to allow such men to keep doing the harmful things that they are doing, not only to the people of God, but to themselves without any repercussions. To allow them to continue in their unbelief until they die and go to hell. Isn't this exactly what God did in the garden? He removed the sinners from his sanctuary in order to bring them to repentance. Only when they were away from Eden, away from the blessings of God, could they realize the extent of their sinfulness. Yes, the, the, the casting out was judgment, but it, it was also loving. It is only when you see the enormity of your sin and, and your need for a Savior that genuine repentance and genuine faith can be produced. If Titus truly wanted what was best for these unrepentant false teachers, then he would have nothing to do with them. Dear friends, church discipline is loving your neighbor enough to warn them of the eternal consequences of their refusal to repent and believe. You see, for, for, for those who continue in their, in their false ways, nothing more you can say to them will change their minds. It is not your place to convict them of their sins. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. For, for at that point, it is their isolation that will speak with more volume than your words. 
What you need to do is to trust in the Holy Spirit that he will do his job. For in reality, it is, it is not the church who has isolated them. Rather, they have chosen to isolate themselves. Look at, look at verse 11. You may be sure that such a man is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. And his continuation to sin, he has condemned himself. The, the state that he is in is his own doing. And unless he realizes that, he will never repent. He will never seek forgiveness. And he will never know Jesus. Excommunication is God's last attempt to wake a man up and save him. Let's, let's review. Paul had charged Titus to avoid foolish arguments with these heretics. He was to silence them by not giving credence to their teaching. Instead, he should, he should focus on, on what is profitable, namely what is in accord with sound doctrine. Yet for those who wouldn't be silenced, Titus was to warn such a man of the judgment that they were under. Titus was to be patient with them, going to them more than once. But for those who refused to repent, the church was to have nothing to do with them. They were to be excommunicated. The Holy Spirit was to do his job now and work in their hearts. This same thing that Paul commanded Titus to do holds true for you today. Christ has called his church to be pure and holy. You are to silence the false teaching that is, that is in your midst for your sake and for the sake of the false teacher. You are, you are to avoid frivolous and unprofitable talk. You are to warn your, your brothers and sisters if they have fallen into such deception. And if they refuse to repent, you are to remove them from the church, for that is a loving thing to do. You see, when an, when an unrepentant person is removed from the camp, that is when the law of God works in overdrive, convicting a person's heart. It, it, it is also when Christ draws closest to them. For Jesus understands isolation. For he himself was driven outside of the city gates to face judgment. It was at the, at the cross that he was forsaken by God. And he did all this to bring people to repentance. The curse of God's wrath was placed upon him so that, that even heretics might turn from their false beliefs and be saved. And Christ has done the same for you. The, the only reason you are accepted in his house is because he died for your sins and he has given to you repentant faith. So avoid foolish controversies. Warn those who have wandered from the faith and remove those who refuse to repent and trust the Holy Spirit to work 
and their hearts. Let us pray. Father, this is a, a hard teaching. It's difficult because it's not what our world says is loving. Yet it is what your word says is loving. Help us to trust in your ways. Help us to see things clearly. To see things the way you see them. Guide us by your Holy Spirit. May our eyes ever be on your Son. We pray this in his name. Amen.